0: All right, welcome to Discipleship Class number 28. I pray that you are blessed wherever you are. And um, if it's evening or if it's morning or if it's afternoon, I know here in uh, Alabama uh, we had gotten up into the uh, 80s as far as the temperature is concerned, but now we're going to be back in the low 30s, maybe even upper 20s uh, next uh, couple of days. So, so we are bracing for uh, one last uh, winter, hurrah. So, but uh, praise God, um, I'm so glad that you have taken time uh, out of your uh, busy schedule, busy life to uh, join us today. And I believe that Father God has some great things to say to us. Uh, I was meditating as the uh, countdown uh, was, you know, ushering us into uh, beginning the class. Uh, about when the disciples said Jesus where else would we go you have the words of life and he does he has the words of life for us and I believe that he's going to uh, speak to us uh, today in uh, in a very powerful and profound way Um, before we go any further let's pray father thank you for this time together this evening thank you for all that you are all that you um, have and all that you have done and continue to do father Lord, I thank you that uh, you are with us uh, by way of your Holy Spirit. We have the uh, Advocate here with us, in us, among us on the earth, the Holy Spirit, and we have our Advocate in heaven, uh, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, our Master. And Father, I thank you that you love us so much to to give us your only begotten Son, but then Jesus prayed that you would give us the Holy Spirit, and, and you answered that prayer and gave him to us as well. And so we thank you, Father, tonight that your Holy Spirit is our teacher, He's leading us and guiding us into the truth that you would have for us to understand, uh, Lord, today. And I thank you, Father, that um, you're anointing me to speak that word uh, with your Holy Spirit and you're anointing the hearer to hear the word uh, by your Holy Spirit. And, Father, that we would not just um, pass along information tonight, but, Lord, uh, a transaction would take place deep inside of us where your truth would be revealed to us in our inward man. Father, make your word a part of our personality tonight and graft it into us. And we thank you, Lord, for good things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, this is uh, class number 28. I'd like to go ahead and put a title slide up, and that's what we try to uh, go back and edit in on uh, Vimeo and the, and the website and the Facebook pages and all that so that uh, you can uh, readily access um, uh, these uh, uh, classes and, and what number they are. So tonight... We're gonna continue our discussion of unknown tongues and perhaps get into uh, stick men theology. And so we're answering this very important question, what is man? And um, and if you'll notice class number 28, um, this is 28 out of 36. So um, we, anyway, here's the title slide. Uh, Class number 28, what is man? Tonight we're gonna be talking about uh, unknown tongues. This is our 16th session uh, on this uh, segment. Uh, and um, if we have time tonight, we're going to get into um, our next uh, section, which will see us through to the end. Really, we'll build on it. We'll lay some foundation and then we'll build on stickman theology. And that'll carry us um, all the way uh, to class uh, number 36. So anyway, praise God. Let's do um, just a, a quick, quick review. And um, and we'll get right into where we left off on last week. Um, because we're in the image and likeness of God, we have the ability to think, reason, and form opinions. We have the ability to agree. We have the ability to believe. We have the ability to experience and express emotions. And then we said in many ways, all of those uh, culminate and build upon one another uh, to uh, lead us to number five. And that is our ability to um, speak. Now, We have uh, covered exhaustively uh, things that the Bible has to say. As a matter of fact, I think I gave you a 14-point review uh, last week where we took a lot of the things that we've been studying and learning and and kind of just grouped them all together in in statements um, just to cover uh, how important and powerful uh, the words that come out of your mouth actually are. And we used that for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, because we wanted to review it and make sure that you, you know, had that uh, uh, in, in that form so that you could kind of see them all just one right after the other. But then we also made the statement that you'll never really understand the purpose and power of prayer until you understand the purpose and power of words because prayer involves words. And then once you understand the purpose and power of words, which helps you understand the purpose and power of prayer, You see then why the unknown tongue and the Holy Spirit being able to give you a heavenly language and speak that language through you or pray that language through you is is something that God is is very, very interested in um, to help you and to to benefit you. Now Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be our advantage and, and that when He returned to His Father that He would send the Holy Spirit Uh, and that Holy Spirit who was with the disciples because He was there empowering and anointing Jesus, um, after they were born again, that the Holy Spirit would come and live inside of them. And we looked uh, specifically last week at different situations where, number one, every time someone was baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in an unknown tongue. And then we also looked specifically last week at people who had been born again um, but had not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I appreciate the feedback that I received from some of you on last week. And, and one of the, uh, and, and I'm so thankful, I think it was Sister uh, Cynthia that, that sent me this. Um, and I'm so thankful that she pointed this out because I think it's in, it, it bears mentioning. And, I, and, and I'm, uh, I'm thankful uh, that she prompted me to comment on this because there are some who believe that if you do not speak in tongues or if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit that you're not saved and uh, and that's so unfortunate that people believe that because that is absolutely not what the Bible teaches again there's a reason why we have recorded the the thief on the cross who cries out to Jesus for mercy and help and Jesus says today you will be with me in paradise right and we know that paradise is the throne of God it's it's heaven absent from the body, present with the Lord. We know all this from other verses in the New Testament. And so we see the thief on the cross was not baptized in water, nor was he baptized in the Holy Spirit. But um, you can shake his hand one day in heaven. He's there um, and was among the first that Jesus uh, you know, uh, forgave sins based upon what he was actually doing in, at the moment um, on uh, the cross. Now, We also, to just try to simplify by way of review, we said that Jesus came to do two very important things for you. He came to take away your sin, and he came to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He came to take away your sin, and he came to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And so there are a lot of folks who have um, allowed Jesus to do for them uh, the first thing that he came to do, take away your sin, but they either have not had it explained to them or they have not shown much interest in pursuing or going after the second key thing that Jesus came to do for you, and that's to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now, while, again, this is not a requirement for salvation, um, what we, I think, need to really understand is that Jesus took away your sin so that He could baptize you in the Holy Spirit. As long as we were vessels of sin, Uh, we could not be a vessel to contain um, the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus had to put to death your old man and put a new spirit in you so that your new spirit and God's spirit could become one spirit. And so um, we also mentioned uh, last week that sometimes people get a little defensive because, you know, they feel like, because they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit or they haven't spoken in tongues that somehow they're less than a Christian or they're less than, you know, less born again than somebody else. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, what we see is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not about you getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit getting more of you. Because when you are born again, as we've already said, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and and it's not like Holy Spirit, uh, you know, beta, you know how like a software uh, uh, company will release a beta version of their software, or you can buy an app and there's a free version, Uh, but if you really want all of the uh, extras and benefits, you you don't have to pay for the, get the paid version. and, and so, you know, this is not, please hear me, it's not like when you get saved, you get the free version of the Holy Spirit, but then when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get the real Holy Spirit. No. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and, and the act of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is an act of surrender, just like the act of being baptized in water. It's, it's an act of uh, surrender. And, um, and then... The, the surrendering of, of yourself to allow the Holy Spirit who already resides in you to come up out of you and rest upon you and to also surrender uh, your tongue to Him uh, so that He can give you utterance of a heavenly language. Now, I speak English. Um, I'm, I'm amazed at people who can you know, speak Spanish and French and and Russian and and, and some of these different uh, earthly languages, Uh, I only speak two languages. I I speak the earthly language, uh, English, and I speak uh, the the heavenly language of unknown tongues. It's the tongue, I speak one tongue of men, uh, that's English, and I speak also the tongue of angels. The Bible says there's the tongues of men and there's the tongues of angels. And so that heavenly language um, that, uh, that belongs to us. Now, um, we, we have, and some of you know, we have a, a wonderful family that's been on staff with us now for many years here at Heritage. Uh, it's the McClellan family. Uh, Mark served as our youth pastor for many years, and, and Sandra and their, and their two children, Luke and Catherine. Uh, Mark uh, served as a missionary uh, and his wife, uh, Sandra, in, in Honduras uh, for, for many years, 13 years plus, I think, and, uh, and they speak fluent uh, Spanish, and of course, they speak uh, f- fluent uh, uh, English as as well. And so, it, it always uh, you know fascinates me to to listen, um, you know, to uh, to them speak. But again, these these are the tongues of, of men. We also now uh, have the opportunity uh, to speak, praise God, uh, in, uh, in in a language that is known in heaven. So. Uh, Sandra, of course, now has uh, applied for and went through all the legal channels to become uh, a U.S. citizen. Uh, but you know, she originally, I think she actually has dual citizenship now, uh, she was born and raised in, uh, in Honduras. And so Spanish was the native tongue of her homeland. So we've been born again, and the Bible says that we're now citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to begin to think of... Uh, you know, the, the heavenly language as the native tongue of, of your new country, of your uh, new homeland. Uh, somebody, not based on last class, but in the past, someone has asked, uh, do, you, do you have to speak in tongues to get to heaven? And, um, and so Cynthia, you know, obviously I guess she did ask that. You've got to be saved to get to heaven, and do you have to speak in tongues to be saved? Um, but this, the question, and I'm going to give you the answer here, and I'm not trying to just make a joke. I'm trying to help you see something. Um, I was asked, do you have to speak in tongues, um, you know, to go to heaven? And and I said no, but then this thought came up in my mind, right? Um, you don't have to take a plane, a train, or an automobile to Texas. I mean, you can walk to Texas, but if there is a better and, and um more enjoyable way to make that trip, then why not uh, take advantage of, you know, things that are available to you? And so in the same way, um, you know, you don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven, but why, why would you want to try uh, to live the rest of your life um, without the gift and the advantage uh, that Jesus has made available to you? Now, remember also that, your tongue is the rudder for your life Um, the words of your mouth chart the course that your life follows so surrendering your tongue to the Holy Spirit is equal to surrendering the steering component of your life over to him Um, I think it was Carrie Underwood years ago who wrote the hit song Jesus take the wheel and uh, you may or may not be into that uh, genre of music but this is literally Jesus taking the wheel If if the wheel of our life is what the words that come out of our mouth, then if we allow the Holy Spirit to speak words through us and give us words in a heavenly language to speak, then do you see how um, this becomes instrumental then in in Him bringing uh, direction uh, to our lives? I want you to turn with me now to some really beautiful and amazing passages of Scripture. It's Romans chapter eight, and we'll begin in verse twenty six. Matter of fact, we're going to look at verse. Twenty-six and twenty-seven. So Romans, eight, twenty-six, and uh, twenty-seven. I think I said something to this effect last week, and I'll say it again. Um, uh, you know, to, for this class as well. Uh, no one's. I'm not trying to pressure you. Don't. The Holy Spirit doesn't pressure. He's not pushy. Um, he's a gentleman, and he's never going to force himself uh, on you. He's never going to hold you down and make you speak in tongues. If, if you ever uh, receive the baptism uh, that He has available to you, uh, the total immersion uh, in um, Him. Uh, then it'll be something you surrender to. I had it. I had it illustrated. You know, sometimes you know, trying to take spiritual truth and and give you some kind of uh, earthly representation, model, example of it uh, can be challenging because spiritual things are higher than earthly things. But um, I had. Uh, a teacher one time that uh, illustrated it this way. Um, they, they held up a, a, a clear glass about, you know, I don't know about this top, probably held about eight ounces, like a juice glass. And, uh, and they, they filled that glass up uh, to, the, to, the, to the full with water. And, the, and they were saying, this is what it is, you know, to be saved. In other words, you look at that and you say, well, that's, that glass is filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? But then... Behind the, the podium, the, the pulpit, they pulled out a large container of water, like a two-gallon two, or th- you know, two gallon bucket of water, and they took the glass and they dropped it in the bucket of water. And they said, uh, that is an illustration of what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's an actual immersion in the very Holy Spirit that abides in you now as a born-again believer. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. I try not to trivialize um, the things of God by, by comparing them to, to earthly things. Um, but when we talk about euphoria, when we talk about joy unspeakable and full of glory, when we talk about, um, you know, uh, what the world would call a high, and that doesn't necessarily mean drugs. I mean, you know, you can You'd be very excited about something and, 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 you know, dopamine and serotonin and all this other stuff coursing through your, your, your bloodstream. Um, but the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, is, is what all of those things are trying to mimic and imitate. They're the world's version. Um, even, even think about it for a moment, and I know some of you might roll your eyes at this one, but, but alcohol, we, we call it spirits, um, spirits. And and um, and when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, um, the the euphoria and the excitement and the giddiness and the joy um, and the um, the the they were relaxed. You know, they, 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 they a lot of people want to, to get a drink or they drink socially because it it makes them uh, less inhibited, and obviously these folks had zero inhibition. They were bold uh, on the day of Pentecost when they w- were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, remember, the devil's always trying to come up with some kind of counterfeit, some kind of substitute, some kind of cheap imitation of what is a heavenly original, what is something genuine from, from heaven. And, and so the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and, and living a, a life baptized and filled with the overflowing Uh, in the Holy Spirit is such a wonderful thing and remember Jesus said that it was the experience was to give you um, power to strengthen and and energize uh, you and your life and the life that you live for him and so who doesn't need uh, more power uh, to you know I need all the power I need all the help I need all the advantage and benefit um, that uh, that I can get And, and I'm sure that uh, that you uh, you know feel uh, the same way. Praise God. All right. So we mentioned in the beginning the importance and power of words, the purpose and power, importance of words. I use different words, but um, and then the you got to understand that before you'll ever understand why prayer is so important. And then you're in a position to understand why praying in an unknown tongue or the Holy Spirit helping you in prayer is so important. And that's what we're going to look at now in Romans 8 and 26. Thank you. Holy Spirit's prompted me a couple of times, so let me go ahead and do this, and I, I promise then we'll look at the verse. Um, sometimes you hear people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Um, please know that, that He is not an it. And, I, and I, think, I think part of that is because the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an experience and, and so that's sometimes why uh, it gets incorrectly substituted uh, for uh, him. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's as much God as Jesus and the Father. And um, so just keep, keep that uh, in mind. And, and if you hear people you know, talking about him as an it, Maybe they're referring to it, the experience of being baptized, as opposed to, you know, I received it, meaning I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I'm not trying to be, you know, stick in the mud or, you know, the church police. Um, But, you know, we need to be sensitive and not grieve uh, the Holy Spirit and understand and recognize that He is a person. And He's a person who lives inside of you and wants to help you. That's, that's an amazing thing right there. Uh, he wants to help you. And so let's look at one of the key ways that He helps us. Romans uh, chapter 8 and uh, in verse number uh, 26. I'll put it up on uh, the screen. It says this, likewise, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings Which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I'm going to leave this verse up on the screen for a moment because there's a few things that I want to point out to you as we uh, dig for the fuller meaning or deeper meaning uh, understanding of what's uh, being talked about here. When he says the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, that word weaknesses is is translated in the King James Version infirmities. He helps in our infirmities. And I like um, to point out both uh, because sometimes infirmity leads people in the direction of sickness. Uh, someone who is infirm is, is considered someone who is, is sick. It's kind of like w- what we said last week about only thinking of him as a comforter and people believing that um, his only assignment then is to help people you know, in the loss of a loved one because they need comfort. Uh, he is a comforter. Uh, but that translation of a multifaceted word, uh, paraclete, um, it literally means another one called alongside to help, and he helps us in many ways. And so, infirmity is 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 not my favorite translation. And uh, let me come back to you for a moment. And 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 weaknesses, it's part of what the word means, but. it it again is to me, it doesn't really grab it. And so let me, let me give you what this word means. And I think it's gonna make this whole passage become more clear for you. Okay, Um, when he's talking about a weakness or an infirmity, he's talking about an inability to get results. So we've got some situation in our lives that we need, we need some resolve, we need, we need resolution. Uh, we've got a problem that we need an answer for. Uh, we've got a situation that we don't know what to do in, uh, a choice that we need to make that we, we don't know what to do. And, and, and we've got two or three good options, uh, but we don't want a good option. We want God's will for our lives. We want uh, you know, the direction that He would have for us uh, to go in. Um, so maybe it's you know, some... Uh, habit in your life that that you're trying to overcome and, and, and move beyond it's, it's a general term uh, that can apply to any area of need and results uh, in your life and so he's saying that the Holy Spirit uh, wants to help you in your inability to get results so think about What this releases then by way of understanding uh, where this verse is concerned. Let me put it back on uh, the overlay now. So likewise, the Spirit also helps uh, in our inability to get results. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Okay. So here is another very important connection. He's saying that we're unable to get the results that we need because we don't know how to pray the correct prayer necessary to get those results. We need answers, but we don't know, you know how to, you know, to get those answers uh, because the only way to get them is through prayer and through the Holy Spirit. And we, we, don't, we don't know how to, to pray Uh, the way that we should pray to get the results that we desire or maybe even desperately need. So let's go back now. Uh, We'll take it from the top. So likewise, the Holy Spirit helps in our inability to get results, uh, which is because we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And so the groanings which cannot be uttered, and I know there's a lot of different opinions about exactly what this is. Um, In my life, uh, I have experienced the, the groanings of the Spirit. And I'm not trying to get spooky on you or anything like that, Um, There was one particular situation, and if any of you've uh, read my book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction, I I talk about one of my first experiences in in trying to work with someone uh, struggling with addiction, and um, it it, it was not the most enjoyable experience of my life. Let's just say it that way, okay? I thank God he's taught me a lot in the last 30-plus years uh, since that experience, but I remember, um, and, the, and the, this would have been in 1980, either 88 around that time, 1988. I'm, I'm going to be safe and say that may have been a little before then. But um, I remember uh, this individual had relapsed. That there were, it was just, it was a, it was just a big mess. I don't know how else to say it. It was just a lot going on within the church and with families in the church, and, and I was so, I just. I felt so helpless, I, my inability to get results, my, my, you know, trying to love this brother and help this brother. And I remember praying. I prayed in English. I prayed in the spirit. And then I went into um, uh, an area of prayer to where it was more of a, of a groaning. And if, if it were physical, I would tell you it was guttural. But it wasn't physical. It was something that was coming out of my uh, spirit. Let me... Let me say this before I, I. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but let me say this: when you pray in an unknown tongue, it doesn't come out of your head; it comes out of your belly. Jesus said, "Out of your belly will flow rivers of 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 living water." Your innermost being, it 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 flows out of you, and um, I, that's another one of those things that's very hard to put into into words. Once you Speak and pray in an unknown tongue, especially, you know, for more than a few minutes. You, you'll see what I'm talking about. One of my favorite things to do is to pray in an unknown tongue because that's my spirit praying. And then my understanding, and I'll show you those verses in a minute, uh, my understanding would, would be my brain. Um, meditate on the Word of God in my mind while I pray with my spirit. Uh, it's kind of a, a one-two punch, if you will in building myself up, and 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 in, uh, you know, setting my heart and mind on uh, on spiritual things. Okay, so he's, so this idea of intercessions with groanings which cannot be uttered, he's he's talking about prayers that are not being spoken in articulate or understandable speech. So the the meaning can certainly include the groanings, uh, but it can also uh, certainly mean, and I think. At least in my own personal experience, and your experience may be different from mine, is that the uh, the prayer and the intercession comes more in a heavenly language, uh, and only occasionally for me, um, in the you know what I believe is kind of on beyond that, and and that's with uh, with the groanings of the spirit. But again, even those are, are things that. Uh, it's an ex- it's it's something coming from your spirit out of you, uh, that's not English. Amen. All right, let's go back now to uh, the passage. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints, according to he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So, let's talk for a minute about intercession. Intercession is when one person goes before God on behalf of another person. Uh, There's nothing wrong with you praying for yourself. Jesus, in John the 17th chapter, prayed for himself. So if Jesus prayed for himself, then you certainly pray for yourself. But intercession is when you are uh, praying uh, for uh, someone else uh, on behalf of them. You're you're that intermediary, you're a go-between. Um, you're praying to God on behalf of someone else. Jesus taught us a parable about this. When a, when a man had a visitor at midnight, he didn't have any food, and so he went to another man's house to get food, not for himself. He had already eaten and was in bed asleep. But he went to another man's house to get food for the friend that showed up at his house. And Jesus used that as an, as an illustration of intercession, where you go to someone else on behalf of another and in this case, prayer, intercession, prayer, intercessory prayers, when you go uh, before God on behalf of another. But here he's talking about the Holy Spirit making intercession. And of course, uh, we know that Jesus, the Bible says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So when we intercede, we're simply doing what Jesus does and the Holy Spirit does. Um, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Jesus intercedes for you. Um, they represent you. They're your advocate. Am- advocate's a really fancy word for like an attorney. They represent you. Uh, man, what helpers we have. Uh, t- uh, you know, what advantages we've been given uh, in-, in these things. So notice now, and-, and I know that I'm maybe spending a little more time here than I should, but I, I believe it's important. He's saying that the spirit helps our inability to get results we got a problem that we need to answer for we need a direction we, we we got some in need of some solution some financial breakthrough whatever healing in your body i mean whatever the need is that you can't seem for whatever reason to get the results in english because we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray to get the answer this is where the holy spirit not the only way but this is one of the main ways the holy spirit is an advantage to you he helps you Because he's going to intercede for you, through you. He's going to pray through you on your behalf. Or he's going to pray through you, uh, maybe, you know, you're praying about some other situation, right? And notice, I'm going to go back to it one more time. Notice that when he does, because he knows what the mind of God is, he he knows what the mind of the Spirit is, um, because what? He makes intercession for the saints according to what? According to the will of God. According to the will of God. So here's the question, and it's not a trick question. How do you pray a prayer in agreement with the will of God when you don't know in your mind what the will of God is? Well, apart from the Holy Spirit, It's impossible to do, but because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you and he knows the mind of God, he now, through in a heavenly language, can, I hate to use this word, but but your understanding is in your soul, it's in your mind, it's in your soul. When your spirit prays, Paul said you pray with the spirit, pray with the understanding. When you pray with the understanding, you're praying in English. When you pray with the spirit, you're praying in, in an unknown tongue. So this means you're bypassing your understanding. That's why you can pray in tongues and read or meditate on the Word of God at the same time because one's engaging a part of your soul, another is engaging your spirit. And so, praise God. So now we have the Holy Spirit helping us, making intercession for us, through us, by giving us words from a heavenly language, that are communicating precisely and exactly what the will of God is in that situation. Remember, the answer has to be spoken. Remember, um, you know, our words chart the course that our lives follows. So, especially, please hear me. Especially if you've got major life decisions to make, please do not make those decisions until you spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. Because, as you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's going to speak those answers through you. Your tongue's the rudder. He's now, you've relinquished control of your tongue to Him. Um, you're cooperating together with Him, speaking the words that He gives you. It's going to be your mouth that speaks them, your vocal cords that speak them. But remember, your tongue and your mouth and your lips and your vocal cords that forms those words, that's, that's part of your physical body. Um, and so it's, it's it's all three dimensions coming together at a single time and I hope you guys are getting so super duper excited about this even it, number one if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit that you would begin to seek the Lord about this and reach out to him about this I gave you my email address last week mark at hccnow.org um, mark at hccnow.org um, if you want more information on this you want to talk to somebody about this pray with somebody about this listen I'm, I'm here to help you praise God um, and then those of you who uh, I know for years I was baptized in the Holy Spirit um, and, and prayed in tongues, not as much as I do now, um, because he didn't understand as much about it now as, as I did. So you, know, you don't have to know, you know, PhD level, what the Bible says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and, to, and to pray consistently in unknown tongues. Uh, but man, the more you see what the Word of God has to say about it, uh, the more uh, excited uh, you should be and the, and the more committed uh, you should uh, you know, be to it. Um, I I have a list of things, um, you know, the idea is little habits make a big difference over time. And so one of the things that I actually have on a checklist, uh, my daily checklist of things that I do, um, you know, certain portions of the Bible that I read and so forth and so on. But one of the things on that list is to pray in unknown tongues. Um, And I don't mean to try to reduce it to some kind of checklist, uh, but it's that important to me. Uh, what goes on that list for me is a priority, and it's something that um, I have uh, made a priority in my life, and I pray uh, that you will in uh, yours. This means, though, think about it too. Um, the Bible says that if we ask anything according to His will, we know that we have what we ask. So this is another way that you can absolutely pray a prayer in perfect alignment and agreement with the will of God by allowing the Holy Spirit, who knows the will of God for your life in every situation, to give you words uh, to pray um, and speak uh, through you. Now, let's try to uh, cover some nuts and bolts here. And I'm going to swap back over to the overlay. I get this question a lot. Obviously, um, I'm in an empty room uh, tonight, a a makeshift studio uh, here at Heritage, and I'm thankful for it. Normally, uh, for the past uh, 16 years, when I've taught these things, we've had people in the room, and um, and so I in, inevitably somebody asks, or before I even give them a chance to ask, I interpret, I, I, I anticipate rather the question, which is, I thought we needed an interpreter. I thought we needed an interpreter. Um, I remember this person one time was kind of feeling uncomfortable uh, about uh, the, the conversation. Uh, this was a, uh, it wasn't a, a large classroom setting. It was, I think, two or three of us. And uh, and so they felt kind of, maybe being a little left out. And so they said th- they said this, they said, we don't speak in tongues at our church, not because we don't believe in it, but because we don't have an interpreter. And, and man, if the Lord will ever send us an interpreter, then we we'll, we'll be getting right on that. Well, <laughs> amen. I don't know if they, were just feeling a little, uh, you know, left out of the conversation, or if that's really um, their position. Um, But that statement and question in and of itself um, reveals a lack of full understanding uh, when it comes to um, speaking uh, in tongues uh, or the gift of unknown tongues, as the Bible uh, specifically says. uh, calls it in uh, 1 Corinthians. So let's, uh, let's walk back over. I thought we needed an interpreter, okay? So there are three different uses for the gift of unknown tongues. So one gift, three different or distinct uses for the one gift. To simplify and give you an example, if someone gave you a hammer as a gift, you could use that hammer to drive a nail, that's the most obvious use. But that same hammer can also be used to extract or pull out a nail. And that same hammer can be used to knock a hole in something or or used to pound on something so we have one tool um, that can be used in three different ways, at least with a hammer, three different ways. And so the gift of unknown tongues is like that hammer. Um, we have, I'm going to give you the three, the three uses here in just a moment, but you know, we have the singular gift, but it can be used in different ways. And so obviously one of the ways is, when a message is is given out. But before we do all that, let's just get to to the three, okay? So, three different uses for the gift of unknown tongues. Number one is speaking a language you do not know, but others do. Speaking a language you do not know, but others do. This was what happened on uh, the day Of Pentecost let me let me swap back over because I know some of you like to write these things down Um, this was what happened on the day of Pentecost people were gathered there in Jerusalem because it was the uh, the feast of Pentecost and there were people gathered from all over um, and they spoke different languages and so when the men and women came out of the upper room speaking in an unknown tongue they were speaking in a tongue that was not known to them, but was known to other people. So, for instance, I don't, you know, what languages they speak back in those days? Greek. Um, so maybe someone in that, more than likely they knew Greek, but let's just, let's say if it was today, okay? You had people there from Russia, you had people there from France, you had people there from Spain, you had people there uh, from uh, Africa. And um, and so uh, you had people speaking Swahili who had never learned Swahili. You had people speaking French who had never learned uh, uh, French. You had people speaking Spanish who had never uh, learned Spanish and so forth. You got the picture, okay? And, and so the Bible says that they were speaking the wonderful works of God. And it was a marvel. It was a miracle, you know, that People who didn't know these languages were speaking in these languages. Now, I could tell you story after story after story where um, you know, this has, well, I don't want to try to act like it's 100 stories, but um, I know of multiple stories, situations where um, God has used and still uses people um, in this way um, where he enables them to speak in a language they do not know in order to communicate, Something divine, something spiritual, uh, to a person um, who is, there's a language barrier, right? And there's and there's no interpreter or translator there. When I when I had the opportunity to, to teach and preach in Africa, um, you know, Pastor Cornelius, he's probably watching this. Um, there were others who did, but he was the, And I, that's when the Lord knit our hearts together. It's when we just became, you know, united together in, in are to this day. Um, You know he uh, translated for me he he interpreted for me um, so that i could speak in english and then he there were people in the crowd that spoke english but uh, most did not and so he translated it into a language so everyone could know what was being said all right so that's um use number one for the singular gift of unknown tongues speaking in a language you do not know but others do the second use is speaking in an unknown language to deliver a public message from the God. I'm sorry, it should say from God to others. So if you're taking notes, you know, pardon the typo. This is when we speak in an unknown language to deliver a public message from God to other people. And this is the use that requires an interpreter. And we have very specific instructions on how that is to work. That their people are to speak you know in a public setting this would be like in a church service or some worship gathering or some Bible study where the Holy Spirit wants to speak a word um, of edification exhortation instruction um, and sometimes that word will come through a, a a word of prophecy that's a gift of the spirit where someone stands up and speaks in a known language a language they know so in my case it would be english where the lord gives me a prophetic word that i stand up and i speak to that group from the holy spirit but in a language everyone present understands now the equivalent of that gift is two gifts working together the gift of unknown tongues where the message in an unknown tongue heavenly language is given audibly to the room and then someone interprets that so that the message is conveyed uh, through, through this uh, avenue. It's, it's conveyed uh, through uh, uh, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And so, again, and this is a beautiful thing. And over the course of my lifetime, I have experienced many, many uh, of these uh, messages and their interpretation. And it is a beautiful, powerful thing. It's an intimate thing because we sense, you can sense the presence of God. You can sense the Holy Spirit in a worship service when he's there, when he's, when he's drawing near. And, and there are times, I believe more so than we uh, allow him the opportunity to, okay? Um, but I don't mean to act like only occasionally. Um, I believe far more often than, it, than, than we allow it to happen and that we surrender to him for it to happen. He's there, he's with us, and he wants to speak to us. And he wants to make sure that that we hear him. And so this is um, the second use um, of the three different uses for the gift of unknown tongues. Now, let's swap over and we'll look at the third and final one. The third use is when we pray in an unknown tongue privately to God. Praying in an unknown tongue privately to God. To God. Okay, I'll leave it on the screen because I know again there are those of you who take uh, excellent notes, praise God. I had an opportunity to teach at a staff meeting at the foundry, and um, there was a gentleman there, he's a beautiful brother. Uh, his name's John Rowland. And afterwards, um, John Rowland showed me his notes. The notes he took were better than the notes I used to speak the message from, so Uh, I know we've got some John Rowland note takers out there. Praise God. Y'all are my heroes. Um, So praying in an unknown tongue privately to God. Praying in an unknown tongue privately to God. Now, you have to understand these different uses. Most people, especially those who are confused about speaking in tongues, they think of it as only one use and that being number two where you speak in an unknown language to deliver a public message from, from God to others, that also requires an interpreter. So when my friend says, um, we believe in speaking in tongues in my church, but until God sends us an interpreter, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to be doing it. Well, the, the, the failure to understand here is um, the use of the gift uh, when it comes to prayer and, and praying. And I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't pray publicly in, in tongues. We have to be cautious about that. If It's a group of, of believers that are, that are all spirit-filled, uh, and may prayer meet and that sort of thing, yes. Uh, Paul also cautioned us, though, because in, in the church at Corinth, they were, they were getting together and everybody was praying and speaking in tongues and giving out messages in tongues. And there were, there were unbelievers there that had no idea what was going on or what was being said. On the other side of that coin, though, Paul said that that tongues were a sign for the unbeliever, and so we shouldn't be ashamed of of that or embarrassed uh, by that. You know, uh, not to be a smart aleck, I, I don't I don't always do this, but if the occasion's right and I feel like the person will ex- will receive it right, you know, they they ask you know may ask me, do you speak in tongues, and um, and you know the, the inflection of their voice sometimes is like, you know. Do you mean to tell me you speak in tongues, you know? And, and I'll kind of go back at him with a grin. Do you mean to tell me you don't? Amen. In other words, praying in an unknown tongue, especially for the you know, church in its early years, um, it, it, was, it was the norm uh, and was never meant to not be um, the norm. Okay, let's go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and uh, verse number 1. Here he says, uh, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, let me stop right there. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Keep in mind, what we have in 1 Corinthians 14 for the most part, is instructions about the public use of the gift, requiring an interpretation because it's the Holy Spirit speaking through someone to a group of people. There are things, though, that we can that we can pull out of this. Right, is that when we speak or pray in an unknown tongue, um, we're speaking directly to God. It's it's a direct line to God. Okay. And, um, and in the Spirit, the person who speaks or prays in an unknown tongue is speaking mysteries. Let's go back to we can't get the results because we don't know what words to use and what kind of prayer to pray. How to pray? How do you pray a prayer in agreement with the will of God when you don't know what the will of God is? Well, the Holy Spirit will make intercession. Uh, notice intercession is not a public message uh, delivered to a group of people. Um, intercession is... Uh, prayer, uh, praying uh, to uh, God. All right, let's keep going here. Um, But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless indeed he interprets, that the church may receive edification. So I'll leave the verse up on the screen. I'm trying to help you again recognize that these instructions are primarily directed towards uh, the public use of the the gift of the Spirit called unknown tongues. From this, though, we see, for instance, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. To edify means to build up. So he says someone who speaks in in a tongue is building up himself. Just so you will know, there's nothing wrong with building up yourself. There's nothing wrong with encouraging yourself. There's nothing wrong with doing something that will strengthen you and build you up spiritually. Okay? But he's just saying that when it comes to a public setting, at Corinth it was a, it was a spiritual gift-free for all. And, and I, listen, um, if, if you have the two extremes of no gifts of the Spirit versus the other end of the spectrum where you got people walking all over each other with gifts of the Spirit, I would much rather take folks that are wide open for God in pursuing gifts of the Spirit and teach them how to uh, use them correctly than try to minister to a bunch of folks who don't even believe those gifts are for today. So the church at Corinth was, they were a born again spirit filled bunch, um, but they were also spiritual babies. They hadn't been born again very long. And so there was was a lot of uh, immaturity there among them. And so this is Paul trying to help them Understand the proper order of things when it comes to the public use of these gifts. So, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So, prophecy is when someone speaks uh, to the whole church. Um, and by the way, that's edification, exhortation, and comfort uh, to men. Um, and so he says, "I wish that you all spoke with tongues." Words, he's He's saying there's nothing wrong with it. He's not, matter of fact, later he says, you know, don't forbid the speaking in tongues. Don't stop doing it. Um, he's even going to say that, that he speaks in tongues uh, more than, uh, than all of them, okay, put together, which is a lot. Uh, but when he's with a group of people, he would rather say things in a language that everyone can understand rather than in a tongue that only God can understand. He would rather deliver a message that everyone can benefit from and be built up by, uh, rather than uh, something that he does in private to intercede, allow the Holy Spirit to help him intercede, and to also uh, build up himself. Let me show you uh, the book of Jude, only one chapter here. So this is Jude chapter 1, verse 20, or just simply Jude 20. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So he's saying here that when we pray in the Spirit, that this uh, exercises our spirit. You know, We, we understand how to feed and exercise and build up our physical body, our physical muscles. But uh, in this case, he's telling us how to feed and build up and exercise our spirit. Because when we pray in the spirit, our spirit prays. Okay, And so when your spirit is praying, it's exercising and building up your spirit. Now, the Lord gave me uh, this statement um, some time ago. And uh, I try to include it when I teach on these things. And this is based upon Jude 20 and 1 Corinthians 14 and other verses. But if there's something I can do to build myself up, then I am as built up as I want to be. Dramatic pause, okay? We haven't lost audio. I'm just trying to pause there for a moment for you to think about that. Remember, Jesus said it was to our advantage that he goes away because when he goes away, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, another one just like him, Uh, Called alongside to help us who would be beside us and then would be inside of us, who would live inside of us, full full to overflowing. And, And so if this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us and give us an advantage and we can cooperate with Him to pray in the Spirit, and this is what builds us up and strengthens us, or one of the things, anyway, that builds us up and, and strengthens us spiritually. Do you see where this statement comes from? I'm going to say it again. If there is something I can do to build myself up, then I'm as built up as I want to be. I have a choice. I can, if, if this will build me up, then I'm either, I'm either doing it to build myself up or I'm not doing it. If there's something you can do to build yourself up, and then you're as built up as you want to be. All right, let's go now. I should have probably told you to stick your hand in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, Let's skip down to verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and and verse 14. I apologize, I, I skipped over here. Let's go back to the screen, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, so notice now he's gone from speaking a, a public message in a group of people to praying in a tongue. This is this is prayer. This would intercession is, is a form of prayer. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. And I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will also sing with the understanding. All right? Now, praying in a tongue, he says, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. Now, I don't want to confuse you with this, and I certainly don't mean to imply Uh, every time, or even most of the time. But there are times when I'm praying in an unknown tongue that the Holy Spirit uh, also reveals to me what it is that I'm praying. Um, I want to come back over and look at you for a moment, okay? Um, One of the most neglected prayer request in all of Christianity is a prayer for wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 says that if we lack wisdom, ask of God and He'll give it to anyone who asks in, in gener- generous portions. Okay. Well, <clears throat> we need the wisdom of God and that's, that's been the one thing that I have prayed and asked God for um, more than any other thing in my life. And I encourage you to do that as well. Make Make a prayer for wisdom something that you pray and ask for daily uh, in in your life. But I also know that many of the things that the Holy Spirit has taught me and perhaps all of them for for all that that I understand up to this point, but I do know that there is a very strong relationship between me spending time Praying in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit revealing to my understanding um, the, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, revealing to me um, and unlocking for me uh, things within the Word of God. Um, now, I often imagine, and I've heard other people say similar things, that the revelation and the things that Father God has shows you and reveals to you um, is the Holy Spirit bringing back to your remembrance, and Jesus said he would do that, uh, things that you've already spoken out, prayed out uh, in, uh, in the Holy Spirit. So if it has to be spoken, then maybe that, that even includes sermons and, and things of this nature Um, where we pray those things out and speak those things out in the Spirit first, and then they come back to us by the Holy Spirit by way of Him interpreting what it is that He said through us in those uh, times and moments of of private personal prayer and intercession. So not every time you pray in an unknown tongue will you know what you're praying, um, but sometimes you will. And maybe, again, I'm still learning these things myself, uh, but, but maybe we do every time, just not in the moment. Praise God. All right, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, let's go back over. So, what is the conclusion then? Don't pray in the Spirit because your understanding is infruitful? Absolutely not. That's not what he says. What's the conclusion then? Paul says it's not either or, it's both and. I'll pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. And then I love this next part. He double, doubles down on it, right? Not only will I pray with the Spirit and pray with the understanding, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Wow, man, this is, this is good. Now, I don't, um, I don't fancy myself a singer. Uh, my wife can sing, my son can sing, my daughter can sing. My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my, a lot of people in my family can. They tell me I can, but maybe I, it's a self image thing. Shout out to those of you who've been following along on our Sunday series. Um, so, um, but I tell you what I do like to do I like to get somewhere by myself and pray, pray with the understanding, sing, sing with the understanding, worship my Father. And then I, I love to pray in the Spirit, and then I love to just absolutely. At the top of my lungs like think shower singing okay uh, sing uh, in the spirit sing in unknown tongues um, singing as the Holy Spirit helps me with the heavenly language sing love songs to my Savior sing uh, beautiful songs of of glory and honor to my Heavenly Father and uh, it's 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 just life-changing I don't know how else to say it I mean it, When He's there with you, He's that real to you, you're participating like we talked about um, several, several classes ago um, about God inviting you into that dance with Him. And and now you're right there in heaven with the Holy Spirit helping you speak their language, even sing their language. It is a beautiful and powerful and life-changing thing. It builds me up. Just like the Word of God says, and it'll do the same for you. Let's skip down now, 1 Corinthians um, 14 and verse number 18. Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, this was a large church. Some people estimate in the thousands. And so you've got lots and lots of people who are speaking in tongues, a whole bunch. And Paul says as one man that he speaks in tongues more than all of them put together. Now, there's other people that say oh, "Can't? that's impossible, Pastor Mark, I, I believe that's what it means, but you know, if you just take one person in the church who spoke in tongues a lot, and Paul says, I speak in tongues more than the, any person in the church that speaks in tongues on a singular level. He's just saying that I'm not trying to stop you or forbid you from, from speaking in tongues but understand the difference between publicly and privately a message delivered to a group of people and um, praying in the Spirit uh, during a time of intercession. So he says, I thank my God I speak in, uh, with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than ten thousand words in A tongue okay now um, I'm gonna use a word I think I used this word last week I don't know if I did or not but the word is activate activate Um, let's say you get a new debit card from your bank and there's instructions on that debit card uh, to activate it You, you you can't just go start using the card it's got to be activated first So the idea behind activating is setting something in motion for the first time. So we've already established that the Holy Spirit resides in you as a born-again believer. That's why Jesus took away your sins so that he could. But Jesus didn't just come to take away your sins. He came to baptize you in the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of you if you've let him take away your sin. Now. Does it not make sense to you that if the Holy Spirit already lives in you and He brought gifts for you to give to you and a baptism of Him that He wants you to experience in Him, does it not make sense that He has all that with Him right now? Let me say it another way. If the Holy Spirit is in you, and He is if you're born again, then the gifts of the Holy Spirit are already residing in you. Because he's in you, so it becomes a matter of activating the Holy Spirit. This whole idea of which comes first—the baptism, of the Holy Spirit, the speaking in tongues, the speaking in tongues, of the Holy Spirit—I mean, if you want to get technical about it, the baptism comes a split second before the speaking in tongues. Because, um, but it's it's one operating in tandem with the other. So. Last week, we talked about just activating that. I'm, again, we're not finished this class. We've still got you know, another 30 minutes uh, here that we're going to get into some even deeper stuff than this. But I'm just saying that, that you know, I'll be happy to lay hands on you if, if you know, somehow we can work that out for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it's not necessary. Um, the Holy Spirit's in you. You can activate the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, in your life, by just simply saying, "Father, I want everything for you that you have from me. Um, thank you for saving me. I believe that I've received salvation. And now, Father, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I believe that I received the Holy Spirit when I was born again, and I believe now that I receive uh, this, uh, you know, additional work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, Jesus baptize me now in the Holy Spirit, and and then begin." to speak those words out of your mouth. And you say, Pastor Mark, it can't be that simple. It is that simple. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully. I, I don't want I don't to offend anyone, especially, you know, some of my, my, what I call my old-time Pentecostal brothers and sisters that are watching here. And I've already cautioned you about disrespecting the Holy Spirit. And so I mean no disrespect by this. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the absolute biggest, non-big deal that you will ever experience. And when I say it's, a, it's the absolute biggest deal, okay, it is a big deal. I mean, the only thing bigger is the, is, the, is the big deal of salvation, okay. But I say that, and again, I mean, no disrespect, please know my heart, and the Holy Spirit knows my heart. But, you know, we've allowed religion and tradition and wrong teaching and maybe people that said they were full of the Holy Spirit acting foolishly to scare us or intimidate us and we know that the enemy is behind those kinds of things into thinking that this is you know some super-duper thing that the stars have to be aligned and it has to be the right tempo music and it has to be some sweaty evangelist with a bunch of oil on his hand and no no my friend please hear me um, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit wherever you are right now before we finish this class And so don't let the enemy or your own thoughts, you know, get you in this mindset that this has to be some elaborate, scheduled, um, you know, uh, when the time's right. I hear people, you know, Pastor Mark, when the time's right, that now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Amen. getting stirred up about it. All right, let me get a sip of water. We're going to move on to something else related to this, but a little deeper. I want to um, remind you that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Jesus said this on the heels of referencing a fruit tree with the lesson being In the same way a fruit tree brings forth fruit from within itself, you and I have the capacity to bring forth fruit from the treasure that has been deposited in us. Amongst the treasure inside of you and me is the kingdom of God. A student well trained in the kingdom is like the owner of a general store. Who can put their hands on anything that anybody needs anytime they need it? Matthew 13, 52, the message translation. So we bring forth the treasure that's within us out of us, like a fruit tree pushes apples from within itself out onto the branches um, of the tree. We bring forth Spiritual things, remember spiritual food. We talked about this a couple of times, and I don't want to go back to it. It's, it but you, I want to just connect these things. It was something that seemed physical, but Jesus said it was spiritual, satisfied a physical hunger, but it came from an invisible source into the realm of the visible. It came from a supernatural force, you know, location into the realm of the natural. All right. So how do we do that? How do we bring forth what's inside of us out from us? Well, obviously there's different ways to do it. I mean, there's character fruit. There's the fruit of the Spirit. um, But then there's also things, things that are inside of us. And so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9 for some important instruction here, okay? I mentioned a moment ago about praying in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit revealing things to you, and the and the correlation between that. And this is one of those things that the Holy Spirit uh, he re, he revealed these truths to me, and so um, I look forward now the opportunity to uh, teach them and, and explain them to you. All right, so let's go with it. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. So this may take us up to uh, at least near the end of the class tonight. So this is what it says, but it is written, I'm sorry, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of people stop reading right here. Uh, You you often hear this verse quoted um, and then somebody, you know, kind of tears off on a tangent talking about heaven. Don't misunderstand me. There are things in heaven that we have not seen, heard tell of. Nor has it entered into the wildest imaginations of our heart, the beauty, the glory, the majesty, the joy, the, the prosperity, the wealth of that place. If you recall, the Apostle Paul went there and there were things that he saw that he was forbidden to reveal uh, you know, and tell anyone uh, else about. But here he's talking about the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Things that have already been put in place in the context of you're going to see here in in the next few verses are not things that are only prepared for us in heaven, as Jesus said, in the life that now is and in the life that is to come. We see that these are things which God has prepared for those who love him. So, when um, I come home and Uh, My wife has prepared a meal for me. This is something that she uh, has done in advance and is there waiting for me. She did it earlier before I arrived so that when I got to that point in my life or in my day or in my schedule, however you want to look at it, that the meal was there ready and waiting. And this is the context of what he's saying, that... There are things that God has prepared for you, ready and waiting for you as your life unfolds, as you progress through uh, through life. There are things that He has already put in place for you, um, surprises. He, oh man, how Father loves to surprise us uh, with things. And we love to surprise people with good things, don't we? Well, we get that from our Heavenly Father. So He says that We haven't seen these things, our ears haven't heard, and these are things we don't know anything about, but yet God has prepared these things for us. So notice, though, what he says in verse number 10. Because verse 9, by the way, he's quoting from the Old Testament. So this is how things used to be, but we're not in the Old Testament anymore. We're in the New Testament. So these things that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, things that God has prepared for those who love Him, He says in verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So the idea behind something being deep is, you know, obviously deep in terms of substance, but deep in, in terms of beneath the surface of what we have seen um, deep in the sense that um, you know a mystery that uh, has not yet entered into the heart of man that has not yet uh, uh, you know been seen or heard but he's saying God has revealed them to us through his spirit the spirit of God for the spirit the Holy Spirit searches all things yes the deep things of God. Verse 11, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So let me, let me come back over here. I, I know this may be uh, pretty self-explanatory, but he's helping us understand that, you know, in the same way that you know Things about yourself that other people don't know or you know them in a way that other people don't know them because you experience those things he's saying in the same way that that you know yourself and things about yourself uh, in a way that nobody else does the Spirit of God knows things about God knows things pertaining to you in relationship to God that, that you don't know yet, but He knows them. And where is He? He's inside of you. Amen. So, praise God. Now, this next verse, it's one of my favorite verses, and I have lots of favorites, okay? It's, uh, it's verse number 12. It says, Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Man, okay. So, I'm going to leave it on the screen. He's saying now. Now compared to what? Now compared to at some point in the past when things were not as the way they are right now. This could be now we have received compared to those who uh, knew God under the Old Testament but did not have access uh, to the things that we have access to because Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. It it could also mean now we have received, meaning present tense, the Holy Spirit now lives and abides and dwells in you. Um, Anytime you see now in a verse, there is therefore now no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus, now is accepted day of salvation. Anytime you see now, I want you to hear me say, or hear your own voice say, or hear the Holy Spirit say, uh, if I read it tomorrow, it'll say now tomorrow. If I read it six weeks from today, it'll say now six weeks from today. So it's talking about this perpetual present tense. Now we have received, don't let the wording throw you here. He's saying now we have received the Spirit who is from God, but he's clarifying that we have not received the Spirit of the world, but we have received the Spirit who is from God. That's why it's written this way. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but now we have received the Spirit who is from God. And we have received the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, more important words here. First of all, this last phrase in verse 12, things that have been freely given to us by God, it does not say things that will be freely given to us by God. It says things that have been freely given to us by God. Things that God has already given us. What description of those things uh, do we have in this uh, section of Scripture? things that eyes have not yet seen, things that ears have not yet heard tell about, things that have not yet entered into the heart of man, things which God has prepared for those who love Him, has prepared, past tense, have been freely given, past tense, not something that He will give later on, but what He has given to you and to me now. Amen. This is why First Peter 2.24 says, By His stripes you were healed. Not just are healed, not will be healed. No such thing is going to get healed. By His stripes you were healed. If you were healed, then you are healed, obviously. But the idea is healing is something that has already been paid for by the stripes Jesus took on His back and freely given to God's children, God's offspring. Now, He's saying, though, that we have received the things that have been freely given to us by God, but in addition, now we have received the Spirit who is from God so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Do you realize that this means you and I have been given things that we don't know are ours? We've we've been given things, blessed with, Ephesians 1, 3 says, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 2 Peter 1, 4 says, you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Have been blessed. Have been given. Have been freely given. Uh, The kingdom of God is now in you. He has given you the kingdom. So, again, He's given you of His Spirit. He's given you His Word. He's given you His name. He's given you Um, You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Uh, Things. Things. um, Too numerous to mention in in a handful of verses. Things. That have been given to you. But notice you'll never know these things unless you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to you. Now, praise God. Let's... um, Remember, I'm going to go back up to it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're going to take the time now. All right, let me put it back on the screen. So let's start over. Um, it is written, I has not seen uh, nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. I want you to pay attention to that word revealed because something that is revealed Means obviously something that has been hidden, um, but is not hidden anymore. But it also means to bring to light. It, it this word "reveal" means the bringing forth of something. So God has revealed; God has brought them forth um, to us through His Spirit. So, what treasure is in you? Because you have a treasure in earthen vessel. He's talking about this being brought forth from you. A good man out of the good treasure, his heart brings forth good things, and he uses the right words to bring forth those things. And I'm going to show you that here in just a moment, all right? But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So sometimes I use things of God in a a very broad, general sense. and There's nothing wrong with that. The things of God are like His Word, setting your mind on the things of God. You set your mind on who God is, set your mind on what God has done. All these things are the things of God. But in the the context here, he's talking about the things that have been freely given to you, the things that ear hasn't seen, ear hasn't seen, things that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, things that have not yet entered into the heart of man. things that belong to you that you don't even know are yours. Now we have received, now means in light of, obviously now, like we said a moment ago, but the other thing now means is now in light of what I'm telling you, um, here's the answer. We have uh, received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And this Holy Spirit is the one that's going to help us know the things that have been freely given to us by God that we don't know anything about yet. Now, the word know in verse 12, it relates to revealed in verse 10. That's one of the few reasons I wanted to make another run at this, is to make this connection for you. And that word know there also is this idea of a, of a bringing forth. Um, to experience would be, um, would be one use of this word. Um, this word is, is used also for sexual relations. Um, Mary said "I, kn- how can this thing be how can I be pregnant since I know not a man it didn't mean she didn't know a man it means she's never had sexual relations with a man she had never experienced um, sex with a man so when it says that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God this means way way more than know about what those things are certainly it includes knowing about them but it goes beyond knowing about them It means to to know them experientially. Well, experientially means they're going from something deposited inside your heart to you holding it in your hand. Praise God. All right, now, verse 13 is a very important key here. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual all right let's break it down these things we also speak what is the context here in other words what things what things is he talking about what things has he been talking about starting at verse um, number nine, he's talking about the things that we have not seen or heard. Things that have not yet yet entered into the heart of man. This means that we haven't pictured it yet. We haven't seen it yet. This is something that, in other words, if, if we knew what it was in our minds, then we could speak English words you know, to help bring that, that forth. But the things that we're talking about now are things that you've been given that you don't know are yours. Things that belong to you that you don't know you have that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, that hasn't been entered in the heart of the man. But what God's revealing them to us, bringing them to light bringing them to pass, bringing them to the surface by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that we've received, who's from God, that we might know experientially the things that have been freely given to us by God. These are the things that we speak. Well, how is it possible for me to speak about something that belongs to me that I don't know anything about? Okay? So, these things we also speak but not in words which man's wisdom teaches so man's wisdom taught me english if i'd have dug in a little deeper man's wisdom would have taught me french i had two years of it in high school and four years of it in college right or anyway not, that's an exaggeration on the four years in college but i had the equivalency of what they required in college I said say it that way um, but man's wisdom taught me english i'm speaking to you in a language now Uh, using words that man's wisdom, man's understanding has taught me. He's saying that these things that we've been given that we don't know are ours, we also speak those things, but not with words that we learned from a human being, but with words that the Holy Spirit teaches us, words that the Holy Spirit gives to us, words that we didn't learn from the spirit of this world, but words that we learned from the Holy Spirit of God. This is Him giving you and me the utterance. This is Him um, giving us the words to speak from a heavenly language. Now, the last phrase in verse 13, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. When I said a moment ago that the Holy Spirit revealed the meaning of this verse to me. There, there are, listen, we, we can't, without the Spirit of God, um, anything God says is foolishness to the natural man. And so I don't, I don't mean to act like, you know, I got most of it and the Holy Spirit helped me with the hard part. No, I, I can't understand any of it. It's spiritually discerned. Um, and so I, I'm not trying to imply that. But over the course of my lifetime, there, there have been different passages that I've taught on and taught on regularly, but would even tell the class there's more here to this and there's, you know, there's things that I don't understand yet about this. One of the more notable one and life-changing ones for me, uh, more, that's more, most recent for me, is when the Holy Spirit revealed to me what the spirit of the mind is. The spirit of the mind is your self-image. And I stumbled around on that for years. I took swing and sw- after swing after swing at that. And I got close, I settled in on the spirit of your mind, your attitude, but it's more than that, it's your self-image. And so this was another one of those phrases that, you know, for whatever reason, I just wasn't connecting with the Holy Spirit who was trying to help me understand this. Um, and it took some time. But then the breakthrough came. And so comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You know, it's, it would be true to say you can't compare spiritual things with earthly things because they're of a of a different level. But Jesus did that. Jesus told parables using earthly things to at least illustrate or get us close to spiritual things. That's what a parable is. It is a comparable. And so I always had problems when I when I would try to say that it meant that because it obviously <laughs> That's, and then, you know, context, context, context. You know, what does it say before this and after this? You know, how does that help us? And, and so this word comparing, that's where I think a lot of people are getting confused because the word comparing here could have also been translated, and I believe should have been translated, composing, composing instead of comparing spiritual things with spiritual and by the way spiritual when it when you go to the gifts of the spirit the non-gifts of the spirit they the literal translation there is the non-spirituals the non-spirituals okay so comparing spiritual things with spiritual the word comparing I believe, should have been translated because the root word in the Greek also means and could have been translated composing. And to compose, because we think of compare, you know, it's like my bottle of water here. I'm going to compare this bottle of water to this lid. You know, we're, we're looking at these two things to see, you know, any, the only thing I can come up with right off the top of my head is that they're both made from plastic. They're much more different than they are Similar, that's a comparison. Uh, This little ring here is made of the same, whatever. I'm being silly, but I'm just trying. That's comparing. Um, Composing, on the other hand, means to form the substance of. Okay? So, comparing literally means composing, and to compose means to form the substance of. So, I believe that verse number 13 should say these things which belong to us that we don't know we have, that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to light and enable us to experience. These things we also speak, but we do not use words that we learned in English class or Spanish class or Russian class or French class. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, using the words, speaking the words that the Holy Spirit teaches us. We are composing spiritual things with spiritual words. We are literally using words the Holy Spirit gives us to form the substance of the spiritual things that have been deposited in our hearts as a treasure. I want you to let that soak in for a minute now. Amen. Let's go over it again. You have been blessed there with spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now you have received, not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might receive the things that have been freely given to us. As appropriate and as important and as necessary as the word might is in that verse, it still Gives me a a twinge of sadness. Because might means you might know them and you might not. Okay? Not because God hasn't given them to you. Not because He doesn't want you to know them. But again, you can never figure it out without the Holy Spirit's help. You can never know it. You can never have it revealed. You can never have it brought to light. You can never experience it in your life reality unless you allow Him to give you words to speak that will form the physical substance of spiritual things by using spiritual words. Praise God. Praise God. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna end right here. Let me go ahead and tell you where we're gonna be next week, okay? And I'll put it up on the screen and this will be in way of review. We're gonna make a big Turn next week, okay? What is man? We didn't go over this in the beginning, but amen, we'll go over it now. What is man? Number one, man is a God-class being. Number two, man is a spirit being. Number three, man is a legal authority on earth. Number four, man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Number five, man is a three-dimensional being. Man is a three-dimensional dimensional being on the title slide for tonight I put um, stickman theology and that's kind of the um I don't know uh, lingo that we have used around here at heritage for many years and it all started uh, in a counseling session many years ago when I was trying to explain to a young man that I was ministering to the difference between his spirit and his soul and his body and I grabbed a, uh, a sheet of paper, and I quickly drew three stick men on it, and I wrote spirit over, uh, under one, soul under another, and body under another, and I turned around on the desk and I started pointing to them to help them understand this is what your spirit is, and this is what the Bible says about it, this is what your soul is, this is what the Bible says about it, it's what your body is, what your body says about it, and so that's where um, the term stickmen theology has come from. And so I'm really, really excited to be able to uh, teach you some things about it in the coming classes. And um, I believe it's among the most important things you can ever understand. I say it this way. If you'll let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God teach you um, spirit, soul, and body, uh, it'll answer at least a thousand questions for you from the Word of God. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Tonight, for these beautiful men and women, thank you that they hear your voice, they know you, and they follow you. Thank you, Father, that everything they put their hands to prospers for your glory. Thank you, Father, that you're revealing yourself to you. And Father, we humbly submit ourselves before you, and we ask you to give us a heart to know you, a heart that follows hard after you. Renew a right spirit within us, Lord. Help us understand. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the, uh, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm in a sermon series on Wednesday night called, uh, on, on faith, but the sermon series is um, Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. And tonight, I believe, is part three. So we'd love for you to join us. Um, we'll be live at 7 in person online. The Praise and Worship team usually does about three worship songs. Then we'll get into the Word uh, again here in... Uh, really not not too distant future. So we love you. You be blessed. Hey, happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day to you. Remember that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection on Sunday, but we're also celebrating our own. And um, listen, I know COVID, lockdown, shut down, all that stuff. Um, Unless the Holy Spirit tells you otherwise, I just want to encourage you, go worship God in person with other believers this Easter. Um, wear your mask if you have to. Get your vaccine if you have to. Um, there's a lot that the devil is trying to steal from the body of Christ. And um, last year we were unable to celebrate Easter in person. This year, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's uh, do it double time. Amen. You will be blessed. I love you. Um, maybe see you later tonight. Maybe see you uh, Sunday. Um, either way, good things coming.